That was a really tough time in, in my life and it has shaped how I've approached relationships myself. It shaped how I've trusted in things and trusted in people and trusted in what I think is real or not. But if you can look after you and you can keep yourself as such a clear priority in this, everything else in your career, in your business, in your relationships feeds off it. All right, last one. Lauren or Leeds United? <laughs> Lauren's given me less stress and less tears. By everyone's standard, it looked like success on the outside, tick, tick, tick. But by year sort of four or five, my heart was just sunk. The people that held me back are the, are the people that were really uncertain in themselves. So they were just projecting all of their uncertainty and their fears onto me, but unbeknown to me at that time. Good answer. And last one, Helen or husband? Oh, you can't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to be an entrepreneur? This isn't a quiz show. This is reality. A real-life discovery of what it really takes to be an entrepreneur. Welcome to a new season of podcast episodes of personal and business coaching topics and techniques around the three pillars of HEW, health, excellence, and wealth. HEW is introducing guests to the Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur show based on their own personal experiences. A full, real-life account of trials and tribulations of what it takes. Hello and welcome to episode 100 of the HEW podcast. You will probably have figured by now that I am neither Helen nor Lauren. My name is James and I'm normally on the other side of the mic working on the production and the editing for the show. But today we're turning the table. So I'm taking control of the show and where it would normally be Helen or Lauren interviewing a guest. Today it's them being interviewed. So, Helen, Lauren, happy 100th episode anniversary. How are you? How are you both feeling about this? Really excited. A little bit nervous, not being, uh, <laughs> you know, not going to lie about that fact. And the fact, it's just, the, it's just weird, isn't it? When you give control to somebody else, you're like, oh God, where's this going to end up? <laughs> but no. It's so. a bit like being in the passenger seat of your own car when you've never, uh, you know, when you've never <laughs> sat in your own passenger seat and then you're like, oh, this is what the view's like over here. So yeah, delighted. And uh, James, thanks so much for editing us. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a task that many people wouldn't um, <laughs> It's great at, fun. So. It's great yeah, fun. It's thank great you. Fun. Okay, so um, recently you had your third birthday as well. So it kind of feels like a good time for reflection. Helen, what's kind of been your highlight of HEW? Oh, flipping like What a question to start off on. Um. Starting on the easy ones, to be fair. There's so many, and I know that sounds a bit of a cop-out, but there is so many. Like, right from the first day that I remember launching the brand, for example, you know, that was a highlight because I saw something then come into fruition and that I'd been thinking about and working a lot on behind the scenes. There's been highlights, you know, when I've... Um, when I launched the podcast and we got into the top 20 in iTunes um, on the launch day and things like that. Um, the first workshop that I held at the City Hall was another highlight. You know, that was a, it's, it's everything that, you know, you keep progressing in, um, expanding and taking Lauren into the business earlier this year. Reaching milestones is always a highlight. I don't think there's just one that, I'm, that I can, you know, pinpoint anything on on that. All right, we'll let, we'll let you have that. We'll let you have that. Thank you. Lauren, what's been your favourite episode of the podcast? 
Oh, that's a tough one. And now you're going to make me have to remember everyone's full names. Um, Helen, who's the lady who I absolutely raved about? Susie Carter. Susie Carter was up there with one of mine. Um, I think, as again, it's a really tough question because we've had so many interesting, diverse, accomplished people from so many different backgrounds. Susie Carter stands out for me because I think when Helen interviewed Susie, I um, it's probably where I was at personally in terms of the stories and beliefs and you know all the normal doubts that every entrepreneur has. Even when you are sat in the coaching seat, you you continue to have all of your own challenges and battles to go with I'm listening to Susie there was just so many moments where I was nodding and agreeing and then hearing the way that she you know really got to grips with prioritizing her health and her well-being and being a mother and being a fantastic businesswoman and being in a, a great partnership of a marriage I just remember listening to Susie and going that's who I want to be when I grow up so that was one. But if I can sneak a very close second in, um, the interview I did with uh, the Power Sisters um, comes very closely behind that. And that's from a personal point of view, because I grew up with the two girls. And if anyone hasn't listened to their stories, um, not only are they both so um, remarkable in what they've achieved as business people and as um, a, as an author, Cynthia as a writer, but their personal challenges and what they've come through are just incredible. So that's very, very closely behind it in terms of the heartstrings. I was thinking about that episode as I asked you the question, to be honest, because, you know, editing that, one of the things that I have to do is kind of pull out sort of short clips that are sort of like the highlights of the episode. Almost every line of that episode yeah, hard, in some way or another was like, Wow. And and some of it was so powerful that it it was almost um it would be irresponsible to use it as a highlight clip because it kind of needs the context around it. Some yeah. of the yeah, some yeah. of the one-liners and things and some of the things that were said in that um episode incredibly uh powerful. So definitely And you know both those for both those ladies, that was the first time they'd ever been interviewed in this way. Right. And it was the first time they'd ever done it together as sisters. And I remember we, you know, we stopped pressing record on the audio and on the and on the video. And uh, we could have stayed on for another hour just unpacking all the different bits and, you know, all the emotions. So, yeah, if anyone hasn't listened to that one, it's a cracker. Right, Helen, what is the biggest personal challenge that you've had to face? And we're not just talking about the days of, of HEW. We're going, you know, right back as far as you want to go back. So, um, yeah, what's the biggest challenge that you faced? How did it kind of make you feel at the time? How did you deal with it? How has it ultimately changed you? Uh, I'm going to say that the biggest challenge that I've had personally is when I was 16 years old. So yes, that has nothing to do with HEW <laughs> today <laughs> because I am certainly not near that age. It's when I found out that my parents were getting divorced right when I was sitting my GCSEs. And that shaped me today in terms of how then, how I deal with things, how I've had to, you know, show that resilience, how I've had to, you know, just carry on growing and believing and getting over things. Yeah, that was a, that was a really tough time in, in my life. And it has shaped how I've approached relationships myself. It's shaped how I've um, trusted in things and trusted in people and trusted in what I think is real or not. So yeah, it's that that's probably not one that you were expecting, but one that people around me that know me and now people around me that don't possibly know me <laughs> listening to this know how pivotal that's been. 
How how much stuff would you say there is from, you know, kind of I'll I'll describe it as childhood, but that's probably not the right phrase, but kind of younger years before you ever got involved in in business that have ultimately kind of shaped the way that you do things now. Oh, a lot, a lot, a lot. You know, the good and the bad, and the and the ugly and the challenging. Um, because I, I, you know, in in terms of this is something that we, you know, we've we've always spoke about on on our podcast and the lives and things that Lauren and I do, is how influential our own fathers have been, uh, in terms of you know having that entrepreneurial guide and that entrepreneurial spirit, and you know we've we we both we both mirror that. Uh, in those experiences as well like you know I, I even from being a small child you know I, I've been surrounded by that mentality and that attitude and that you know you have to work hard for things and you can do things that are out of the ordinary um, you know I've, so yeah I've had all of that but then from a personal perspective where you know the emotional being of you um, comes into fruition I yeah I've certainly been through the tumble dryer a few times with it as well Okay, so a lot of the questions that I'm asking you today are things that have been um, submitted to us through the the week. Obviously, you've kind of been talking about the fact that the hundredth episode was uh, was was coming up. Um, Lauren, I'm going to actually slightly change a question that we've been that has been submitted to us because obviously you were previously coached by Helen, and that was the start of of ultimately what's become your sort of working relationship. I'm I'm intrigued as to how that works now. So do you still go to Helen for coaching when you're kind of going through a spell where you know that you need some some help or are you now too close to be able to do that? And do you go somewhere else for coaching and do you tell Helen about it or do you not tell Helen about it? <laughs> that's, that's a good question. So uh, there's probably a couple of parts there. Um, when I started working with Helen, it was I was personally recommended um, HEW as a brand and I was looking for a business personal development coach um, and it was a mutual friend of mine and Helen's a very good friend of us both but we'd never met each other and I was living in Manchester at the time and Helen was living in London so when I'd I'd, I'd looked around at other coaches and then I spoke to Helen on the phone and then we had a, you know probably 30 minute call uh, which I now know is a proper consultation call um, and I immediately just felt comfortable around Helen and I think this is very important for anyone who's working with a coach whether that be a personal development coach a personal trainer whoever you are going to entrust your time and energy and influence to I really think the connection has to feel there and there has to be a trust uh, a level of trust that you know it goes both ways and what I was attracted to within Helen and I can see it now because I can take a couple of steps back is I always loved the fact that she was no no bullshit she didn't mince her words, but she wasn't cutting and she wasn't harsh. She has a huge heart, a lot of empathy, but she knows when empathy isn't going to help. She knows when, you know, the difference between a cuddle and a kick is needed. So I always appreciated that when I was working directly with Helen and she is a very straight talking woman, which is something I appreciate um, in anyone I'm working with, but in particular when I'm working with another female, I don't like the mincing about <laughs> things that can sometimes slide in. In terms of how that's transpired as a business relationship, because Helen and me had such an easy way of communicating, is in our dialogue just flowed very easily. Um, Helen never once, while I was paying her as my coach, spoke to me about working with HTW. And I know now <laughs> from the conversations we've had since that she said, I just didn't feel it was appropriate for me to ever mention 
that this was an avenue. But in my roles over the last 10 years, from being a business person myself, I'd worked in a coaching role, really, helping other entrepreneurs. So, I, you know, she knew where I was coming from. And I suppose, do I go to Helen now when I have challenges? Absolutely. And I think that's one thing when you're in a business partnership. It's a bit like it's a bit like a marriage. You know, you need to trust each other. You need to have a really good level of communication. You need to celebrate the good things and the wins and all the daily little wins that you have as a business and as partners. But you also need to be able to go sometimes and putting a flag up, you know, and waving the white flag and going, something's going wrong on my end of the ship. And I need to be able to tell you that, um, you know, I need all hands on deck down this end. So um, we don't work in the way that we did as coach and client, um, but I think it built a really great foundation and for communication and trust. So I'm very, very lucky. So you, you don't have a secret coach on the side? <laughs> I don't have a secret coach. However, so now's the time you can tell us. We, we, won't, we won't judge you for it. It's fine. No, but I, t- I tell you what I do have, and this is where Helen, you know, she used to say it to me when we were in the client coach format, is, you know, I was always aware that my environment had a big influence on my thinking or on my behaviour. Um, one of the, I spoke loads about it on the podcast and on our different lives is I am um, a big change for me when I joined this one year no beer community. I only ever meant to do a 90 day challenge like I was only ever meant to do three months <laughs> of alcohol free life. And I'm coming up to almost three years. So because I'm part of that community, I'm surrounded by a lot of people who they're a great bunch. You know, they they don't live life on everybody else's terms. There's a lot of focus on personal development and growth. Um, business growth and just pushing yourself so maybe they're my little secret coaching tribe but I just think that's for for all of us you know the stuff that you read the communities that you're part of online uh, the podcasts you listen to the books that you either read or listen to and that stuff has a big impact on me and I've always been a big I say always the last two three years that's been a really big part of my growth great that sounds that sounds brilliant so Helen who would you say has been your biggest success and no pressure but Lauren is sat there who would be my biggest success yeah I mean you don't necessarily have to mention them by name but you know you must have a client that you look back on and just think oh I'm really proud of how that went I'm proud of everyone if they put the effort in and it's not how can you quantify that because that's in terms of how do you quantify success and this is not being diplomatic and 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 like a politician sat on the fence or anything like that but I would never downplay somebody's success if that was something that would be marginal in comparison to somebody else that would gauge it in a in a different way if somebody's going to put the effort in and they're going to you know apply themselves and you know really commit to themselves and invest in themselves to make that difference in their life for them for their business for their surroundings for their you know children family whatever their goals are then I will always have 110% levels of respect and admiration for them because it's not easy and, you know, I, I would never peg somebody better in terms of success than the next person ever. I've got some quick fire questions for you, Helen. There's six of them. There's two options. You've just got to tell me which one of the two options you're going to go for. You're not allowed to think about it. You've just got to give me a first answer. Let's go. Are you ready? Cat or dog? Dog. Pizza or curry? Pizza. Knew you were going to say that. Kylie or Jason? Kylie. Corey or EastEnders? Corey. I'm a Northern girl. Good answer. Business or play? Business. All right. Last one. 
Lauren or Leeds United? <laughs> Lauren's given me less stress and less tears. <laughs> there's, more, there's more chance of winning with Lauren. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Right, Lauren, what's been your uh, biggest business regret? And if you could kind of go back and change something about it at the time, what would you do differently? Oh, good question. And funny enough, this came up in, I think, a live that we did um, a couple of weeks ago. It's hard to quantify the biggest regret, but I can certainly say, um, and I'm not just, again, putting a positive spin on it, would I go back and change it? Yes and no. The, the, I suppose what I would change is I would make the decision quicker. So my biggest regret is the first business uh, venture that I went into, I honestly loved it. Like I credit it with so much. The industry taught me so much. It put me on a different trajectory in my career than I was ever intending to be on. I was at university and I was studying a, a theology and philosophy degree, uh, which I don't think I've spoke that much about, but I was then going to go on and do a conversion PGCE and I was going to become a teacher and most likely uh, an RE slash English teacher. And in my first year, um, I mean, I attended uni, <laughs> technically, um, but I wasn't that applied uh, at all. And my heart wasn't really that in it. But I was like, yeah, you know, get through it, you know, it'll get better kind of thing. And in the first um, break, the first year summer, I got offered this role, which was um, a direct sales um, promotions role. It was 100% commission. It was staying in Leeds, which is the university city I was in. So it meant not going back to Manchester to all my friends and family, uh, where everybody else was, you know, flocking back for the summer. You know, that beach resort that is Manchester. <laughs> we all went, we're all going home. <laughs> After that first summer, I never went back to university. I stayed on. I completed a business development program. I um, built a team of people. I built a team of 20, 30 people, rolled my sleeves up, worked really really hard and um, secured back in an investment uh, and opened my first company when I was just before my 21st birthday and I loved it like I absolutely had a ball but looking back in hindsight um there was a few things that were off in terms of what I wanted for my life and for the type of lifestyle and the business model that suited me as an individual. I was so focused on the outcome and the success criteria and, um, you know, how much money was being made, uh, how much we were growing, the amount of different um, locations and campaigns we were able to open, measuring myself against other people in the industry. Um, and so I had a f the first sort of like three, four years. Honestly, it was it was amazing. I made really good income grew loads by everyone's standard it looked like success on the outside tick 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 but by year sort of four or five my heart was just sunk first of all I was knackered I was working 70 80 90 hours every week like every single week there was not a week there you know where it was <laughs> anything less and um, I didn't look after my health physical mental emotional any of those things and um, so my biggest regret is not listening to my gut sooner not being able to take a step back and getting so caught up in the idea of, but if I don't do this, what does that mean about me as a person, as an entrepreneur, and as a business person? So my biggest regret, actually, it's not that I regret being in that industry or being in that business model. I just regret not listening to my own intuition and my own gut earlier, and then learning that there is a different way. It doesn't mean, and it doesn't mean the way that I was doing it was wrong. It didn't mean that other people choosing that path were in the wrong. It just meant it didn't suit me and it didn't fit me. 
Okay, that's interesting. The the next question that we've that we've had submitted, which I'm going to ask to both of you, which I, I think may well sort of link to what you've just kind of been talking about um, there, Lauren, is if you could go back in time and talk to the 21 year old version of yourself and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Can I ask you that first, Helen? Uh, mine would be not to listen to the opinions of other people and don't let them define you. I was massively influenced by this. Um, and at the time, by the way, at 21, when I was still co- I was still suffering from the repercussions of what I've just said as one of the biggest challenges in my life, gone to university on the back of that, lost my nanan in that time as well, which was the first family death that I'd experienced. I was away from home at uni, didn't really like that, didn't really settle. Um, and I was, I was surrounded by a lot of people that weren't necessarily um, or didn't necessarily have my best interests at heart. They had very strong opinions over what I should be doing, shouldn't be doing, who I should be, who I shouldn't be, all of this. And I was influenced by that massively. Uh, so my piece of advice to a 21-year-old is not to be influenced and defined by other people's opinions. I would definitely, I would, I would definitely like to go back and shake myself at that time. You know, we do a lot of work with the college and the university, and and even 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 secondary school children in that respect around you know confidence resilience knowing who you are and you know being okay and knowing who you are and your identity your individuality and I always say I would love to have had me now in my corner back then and I think 21 is still such a you know raw age it it so is I mean at 21 we feel like we've got it nailed don't we we feel like you know we're all grown up and fully fledged and all of that. We really don't, you know, it's, it's, it's such a young nurturing age. And I think, you know, if you are carrying baggage from a, from teenage years and adolescence that you've, that you've struggled with and getting like your foothold in your identity, that will then follow through into your twenties. And it really did for me. And I, I struggled for a long time. Just, just off the back of that then does, does age play a major kind of factor in, coaching someone so you know if you have someone that, that approaches you for coaching who is say you know very early 20s um are there different factors that, that you consider than someone that's maybe coming to you in their 30s uh, no not necessarily uh, i find that there's a lot of there's a lot of comparable it doesn't matter if you're speaking to a 15 year old or somebody who's 50 odd year old and you know what i do find is the, the, the quicker that we the quicker that we get in the easier it is to um, influence positively and give, you know, constructive techniques on how to deal with things. Um, whereas then if you if you go into your life at, you know, late 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, or, or even later, you know, there's a lot more to, to reprogram. There's a lot more to unpack. There's a lot more to, you know, make sense of, if you like. Uh, to then start reconstructing in a in a better way, but you know the, the principles out of it. We're human beings, you know. The behaviour patterns that we have, even through being a child into into being an adult, are very very similar. You know, we yeah, really so at times, isn't it? You know, when you when we look at it, it it makes so little difference sometimes the age. We just can't. We just overcomplicate it with experience and with with opinions and with the complexities and the tapestries of life. But the the rest of it is it's the same and the principles remain the same but what I would say is the fact that you know when I said about you know I was influenced heavily from quite a negative standpoint from a lot of people that were around me uh, it's because I it's because I had my confidence knocked 
And then what the people then now, when I'm looking back at it, the people that held me back are the, are the people that were really uncertain in themselves. So they were just projecting all of their uncertainty and their fears onto me, but unbeknown to me at that time. I know that now, but hindsight's a beautiful thing. But, you know, if we can if we can nip that in the bud and get people to understand that and have those support mechanisms in place, you know, we're not then firefighting it for a number of years and thinking that it's us that's got things wrong when we're really not. We just needed a little bit more sort of um, guidance and support at that time. So, um, Lauren, 21-year-old Lauren, what, what are you going to say to her? So, as I said there about my first business at 21 year old Lauren was doing all right <laughs> she was having a good time she was working hard um and yeah I was I was I was I was loving life and enjoying it what I would say if I could go back and it's interesting because I'm from a very big Irish family so I have literally lots and lots of cousins and there's one of my cousins in particular who she came to university in Manchester. And so we we were lucky when she was, because um, she came from Northern Ireland to Manchester. So we spent two or three years hanging out together between her being like 18 and 21. And she's so wise beyond the years. But I used to say to her, Ruth, if I could just go back and tell Lauren this of 21, I said, this is what I'd say. So I used to, we used to have these conversations all the time. The two things I would I would go back and work on or change is I'd work on my own relationship with money. So this is something I now can see. Again, Helen mentioned hindsight, beautiful thing. But so much of our decision-making as a business person and just as an adult, really, around finance comes from the stories and the beliefs that we have inherited from our family or from our peer group. For me, I was involved in this industry that um, had tons of ambitious people. So I was very fortunate, I think, that I had lots of people who had positive influence on my money mindset, but I never worked on my own self-limiting beliefs. I never worked on the things like, I used to have this saying of, um, you know, there's always more money to be made. And what that meant for me is, it doesn't matter if you, <laughs> you lose money or waste money or bad with money because there's always more money to be made. Now, in some ways, that story helped me because I always knew there was another way to make, you know, the break even point, the profit, the turnover, all of those things. But what I wasn't very good at in my early 20s was retaining the money that I made for me. I almost felt guilty. I didn't. I, I grew up in a very normal environment to very hardworking parents, but we weren't cash rich and flash. So when I had thousands of pounds of personal income it was almost like I was allergic to it and I'd try and get rid of it now I can see that whether it be through just bad decision making on my part lending people money so I'd go back to 21 year old me and go just figure out your relationship with money and understand that it isn't your self-worth it isn't your success rating and you know what having lots of money does not make you a bad person because for a long time I thought you can't be a good person and have lots of income uh, and then the other thing I'd go back to 21 year old me and say is just be single for longer like just, <laughs> <laughs> just be single for as long as you can and you want I mean I I had some wonderful boyfriends in my 20s but I also had a couple of really terrible ones and I remember reading somewhere it was actually Sheryl Sandberg his uh, COO of Facebook Mark Zuckerberg's right hand woman and she said listen this is for all people but particularly for a female one of the most important decisions you will make as a business person is who you marry or who you partner with because the person with their head on the pillow next to you has some of the biggest influence on your mindset, your habits, your behavior, your choices. So I'd go back to 21-year-old Lauren and go, yeah, don't waste your time with that fella. You just go and have a good time on your own. 
Brilliant. When um, when I was drawing up the initial kind of plan for the episode and the questions I was going to ask, I was going to ask you, Lauren, kind of about your kind of, you know, start of your kind of coaching career and how you've um, found it. And then I thought it would be a lot more fun to ask Helen for her view on how Lauren has done so far, kind of, you know, working with you at um, HEW and um, how you've seen her change as well. Is this some form of performance review? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, buckle up. Buckle up. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> um, I have all, I, I've always got good things to say about Lauren, more so than Lauren would say about herself, actually. I have always, you know, said from the start, I will always have Lauren's back. I've always got the belief in her. I see the potential in Lauren a lot more than, again, she sees in herself. I think she does a fantastic job and she doesn't give herself enough credit. Lauren will always be the first to cheerlead me or say anything positive about me and not necessarily herself. So she needs a bit of practice on that in terms of blowing her own trumpet. <laughs> and if she's around me long enough, she knows that I'll blow my own trumpet because one of the things that I've always said is back yourself, back yourself, back yourself, back yourself. And I remember Lauren saying to me, well, that's all right, you know, but, you know, it's about other people backing you as well. And I'm like, well, for long enough, I didn't have anyone else backing me. You know, I have been solo in terms of if I needed anything to happen I've had to freaking make it happen myself so if you don't have that belief in yourself then you can't depend on anybody else for it Lauren's fortunate at this situation or and and this current climate that she's got so many people backing her but yeah you know I've got I, I, I think she does an amazing job I know what she does with clients I know how people speak about her uh and what she brings to the table and yeah I just I look forward to the future Lauren, we had we had a, a great question that was sent in that was asking you about your experience of coaching your dad and whether that. or not <laughs> subconsciously it was kind of something you'd already been doing anyway. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a really good question. A little tiny bit of backstory here. As I mentioned, when I started out as an entrepreneur, um, I left university and there were certain parts of my family that were like, what are you doing? Like, you know, come on, just finish your degree, pick this up in a couple of years. Uh, and the person who never once said that to me was my dad. He never, ever once said, don't do it. And he, I think he could see a lot of his own entrepreneurial spirit coming out in me, which kind of terrified him at times. And um, I know he said that to me before because he's had ups and downs in his own um, business path. But I, I, have, I have really clear memories of a couple of things. The first thing was that <laughs> the negotiator in me, so I'd left university, right? That year had already been planned to live in student accommodation. And uh, it was 2000 and what year? Three, 2003. So you still gave you, your landlord predated rent checks. So my parents had already given them the checks, you know, for the four quarters ahead. So I'm like, brilliant. Mum and dad will pay my rent for a year. So I went back to dad and was like, I think this is a year in industry. And, you know, you pay for my sister's, you know, um, degrees and their accommodation. So this is my year in industry. And he turned around to me and went, if you're big enough to run a business, you're big enough to pay your own bills. Those checks were cancelled the minute you told me you were leaving university. I was like, and I remember having a proper little hissy fit meltdown moment and being like 
you know, that's not fair. I'm the youngest. Why don't I get another year of my rent being paid? But I can tell you now it's one of the best things he ever did because if I hadn't had personal expenditure and break-even points, I was working on 100% commission. It wouldn't have mattered if I'd worked hard or not. I wouldn't have had rent or bills to pay. It would have just been party fund, Lauren, and all the other things. So that was the first lesson. Um, and then I remember ringing him after I'd had a bad day in sales once. Uh, you know, I'd had more than one bad day in sales in my early part of my career. And him telling me to suck it up, you know, whatever term he would have used at the time. But he was just like yeah, what do you want? A medal. Get back out and do it again tomorrow. So he's always had that influence on me. Now, this was 2003, 2004. My father's in financial services. So come 2008, nine, the tide kind of turned a little bit and uh, his business really, not his business, the whole industry, you know, went completely, you know, tits up. There's no nicer way to say it. Um, as someone who is involved in, you know, mortgages and finance and insurance, you know, the world kind of came to a standstill. And um, then coupled with a couple of, um, you know, personal situations, uh, my dad actually uh, was hospitalized and had um, a cancer diagnosis, then he lost a brother. So he had four or five years where it was a really rough time for him. And it wasn't a conscious thing, but our, we've, I've always been very close to my dad. But our our roles kind of changed a little bit when then I was able to support him and because I'd come from an entrepreneurial point already and was already focused on mindset and finding solutions and opportunities and um, I just naturally fell into that role come around again another five years dad's business is going very well again and um, I was at the point where I knew I wasn't happy in the in the employment roles I was in so we kind of have this yin yang of each other and um, I can honestly say James my dad has been trying to recruit me to work with him for the last five six years um, and you know and he'd go to these um road shows or different um round table events in financial services and he'd come back and he'd be like but Lauren, you'd be so much better at this than I would or this person or that would. And I used to joke to him because I was making a really good income at the time. I'm like, you can't afford me, dad. I'm like, you can't afford to replace the salary that I'm making to come into your business. But he was quietly sowing the seed for many years. So when I say coaching him, I think we're very fortunate in that um, he allows me, especially, you know, as his youngest daughter, as someone who's made her own mistakes and marks in business in the past, but he listens to me. He's come with, he, when I, before I worked with Helen, he came to a HEW coaching uh, workshop day uh, and sat there as a participant, like everybody else in the room with his notebook and with his sleeves rolled up. Um, he listens to our podcast every week. He, sa he says to me sometimes, I fell asleep to you and Helen last night. <laughs> um, I'm like, thanks, Dad. Try and stay awake for us, though. That'd be great. <laughs> and he's a huge supporter of me. And now we are in a partnership. You know, I'm working alongside my dad and his business um, and other ventures. And yeah, I'm, I'm just like Helen mentioned there, we've both been very open about how lucky we are to have the, the influences we have of our fathers. So it has been interesting. There are times when I have to bite my tongue and remember it's not when you're coaching anyone, James, and sometimes you get this when you've got your coaching head on, whether it's a client who were, you know, were paid, who's paid us to work with them or whether it be a friend or a business contact who's asked us for advice. It's not it's not our job to pontificate. And it's not our job to lecture and it's not our, jo our, jo our job to be like, well, let me tell you, a big part of what we do as coaches is to facilitate a conversation that opens up other viewpoints and opens up people to go, have you considered this? So much of what we do as a coach is just put a light on in a different room or make you walk into a room that you've been avoiding for a very long time. 
and go, you need to open that box and you need to get shit out of it that you don't want to look at and then you need to deal with it and I'm right here behind you. So I did that. So I kind of wanted to describe to you how the relationship in a business perspective with my dad has evolved because I'm not his coach. I'm just, when you trust someone and you can have open dialogue, you do it for each other. Okay. Um, Lauren, you, you're not getting away without the quick fire questions, I'm afraid. So uh, six <laughs> yeah. questions for you. Same rules. You've got to give me your first answer. You don't have time to think. So summer or winter? Summer. I paused because I'm actually an autumn girl. So I didn't know if I could go. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, ne- I nearly did spring or autumn, so... Yeah, I'm definitely... Um, all right. Night in or night out? Night in. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Style or substance? Substance. Zoom or face-to-face? I'll have to go Zoom because it's 2020. <laughs> Good answer. And last one, Helen or husband? Oh, you can't ask me <laughs> Oh, James, that's horrendous. Um, I've probably spent more time with Helen than my husband over the last seven months. Um, and my husband does joke that Helen is the third person in our marriage. <laughs> um, I couldn't, honestly, it's a, you know, I'm very lucky that I've got my two cheerleaders in the husband and Helen. So yeah, I'm keeping them both. Right. Can't pick. Um, question to both of you, Helen, I'm going to ask you first. How do you switch off from coaching? Oh, James, do I ever switch off? It's the million no. question. Uh, <laughs> other people like Lauren say that I don't. I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. Um, it's a conscious decision to switch off. I found this really, really hard when I first got into coaching and me and Lawrence had this discussion um, because it's not just switching off, it, it's how it affects you and your energy levels. And, you know, when you're fully divulging into people and their lives, their goals, their challenges, you know, and you're being empathetic with them and, you know, you're guiding them and supporting them. It takes a lot of energy from you and it takes a lot of energy out of you. Um, And I, even when, you know, when I first started, when I first started doing the workshops, I knew that if I had an intensive day of coaching or I was delivering speaking or a workshop scenario, I knew the next day I would be good for pretty much nothing. Um, and have to, you know, clear that diary space a little bit more and give myself a little a little time to, you know, re-energize and nurture myself. Now I'm okay for it. I could, you know, I've, I've built my stamina up a lot more. But yeah, you do have to protect yourself. Like I said, me and Lauren's had this conversation, the more that she's doing with coaching with people and everything else and, you know, protecting her energy levels, particularly now uh, with her being um, four months pregnant. Five. Five. You know, it's important. And, you know, we're, we're good for nothing if, we, if we're not looking after ourselves. So to switch off has to be a conscious decision. Like, I'm a self-confessed workaholic, you know. I, I, I just literally am. But I love it. I've never worked so hard in my life. But I've also never, I've never been in love as much as I have been with what I'm doing as I am right now. Um, so I wouldn't change that. But I also respect and need and enjoy thoroughly my time off away from people whether that be out in nature whether it just be to sit silent and still to myself and not be on a zoom call or not be on social media or you know I always laugh and joke and say you know I just want to sit in my pants with no makeup on (laughs) and not talk to people (laughs) and when I say pants I don't like don't get any wrong ideas here (laughs) 
but I just mean like you know just relaxed and it's not saying that I'm not relaxed and having fun now but it's totally different when the spotlight is on or off Mm. um so yeah it's a conscious decision and whether that's just a couple of hours of having a Netflix binge or going out into the Peak District or catching up with a friend or even Warren you know we when we correspond and we communicate it's not always business 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 we take time out consciously to get to know what's happening ourselves and because we like each other's company in that respect you know that's not necessarily in a coaching mode and what I all what I do what I do struggle with is you know if you're speaking to anybody else new or um in a in a personal sense this is not for a prospect or anybody in business but anybody anybody new that you're getting to know and you 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 know you're developing a friendship with it's interesting how they don't think that you're switching off from coaching and like what you've just said in the conversation with Lauren and her father of you know do you consciously coach him or does he consciously coach you you're not necessarily coaching somebody else that you're getting to know but if they have you on this pedestal or got this perception of you that you're always the coach and you're always in the coaching seat that's hard for you to get away from when you actually you're like I'm not coaching I'm I'm I'm, I'm just I'm just chilling so stop preempting that I'm coaching you and let's just have a decent conversation. That's the, that's the tricky thing because other people think that you can't switch off when actually you can. Lauren, do you concur? I do. I'm not in a way in agreement here and realising we're on audio. <laughs> I think Helen makes all of those points valid. She does love working, but she doesn't work hard for the martyr. And there are times when, you know, she can switch off a phone and disconnect. And the big lesson I got from Helen is... Um, when you are working in this kind of capacity as a coach and, you know, think about it another way, if you're a teacher, if you're someone who is a, who gives your time to help other people in whatever role that may be, you've got to be careful that their emotions don't become your emotions. And I certainly struggled with that, didn't I, at some point, Helen, when I would, I would literally go to bed thinking about my client's business and thinking about their challenges and I'd wake up and I'd be like, I was thinking about this and Helen would be like, you've got to put that in a box. So you have to... You have to maintain and protect your energy and your, yeah, or your fire or else you're no use to anyone. Makes a lot of sense. Um, Helen, I think this is a great question. What's the hardest thing you've ever had to ask a client to do? So something that you know in the immediate term is going to be really hard for them, but you knew it was the right thing in the long run. One that sticks into mind here, I mean, there's a lot when we talk about comfort zones and that, again, is putting it into context over, you know, what somebody's comfort zone are, are difficult for somebody. Um, you know, it can be difficult for somebody to to go back home and have a difficult conversation with their respective other, for example. Um, or it could be difficult for them to go in and address their staff in work in a certain scenario uh, and convey their messaging. It could be it could be difficult for somebody to take control of the the, the finances and the, the budgets or anything like anything that people are doing and we're asking people to do as part of their development and suggesting that they do as part of their development is taking them out of their comfort zone. So that will always be challenging. I think one of the 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 the, the, the most challenging things I would say is when I actually turned a client down and said no you can't work with me Um, because, you know, we don't align and I don't agree with what you're doing and I won't be part of that. That was challenging because it was like a slap in the face um, to the individual when he 
he just genuinely wanted to work with me and I, I shut the door in his face. So I'd say that was one of the, what, that was one of the most challenging things because the reason why I cl- closed the door in his face, James, is because when I say we didn't align, he had some, he had some tough decisions to make and some tough changes to make in his life uh, because I was of the opinion that he was basically a ticking time bomb. And, you know, our first pillar is health, it's well-being, it's ensuring that you're looking after number one. This chap wasn't at all in any which way, shape or form. And he was a ticking time bomb. And I wasn't going to be, I wasn't going to be part of that celebration. Like Lauren said, like I don't work to be a martyr. There was, there was a lot of that kind of martyr style ego attached to, to what was happening there. And I just said categorically that doesn't, no, we are not being part of that. Um, so that was challenging because you know he had to have a, a, a he had to make a, the right ch- changes, but again with the, with the challenges and the comfort zone, it comes the truth, and the truth is always hard to swallow. The truth is always hard to face. So again, dependent on on you know what that spotlight and that microscope brings up for the individual, that will always be challenging. And if we're, if we're the one that's shining that on, and you're like, can't get away from it, mate. Like that is what you that's what the issue is. You either, you know, we either go around it or you choose to keep reversing away from it and avoiding it all your life. And when you put that truth on things, you know, that that is yeah, that's the that's the moment of truth that quite often people need, they don't always want. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um Lauren, do you learn things from your clients? Absolutely. Absolutely. Things that you, it's kind of like a twofold one. You learn things because they will, you know, we, we work with people in so many different industries. You know, we're not, you know, a coach specifically for people who are in, you know, personal training or people who are in technology. We have clients who do such varied and interesting things. So that's number one um, is when you're learning the ins and outs of their business. And we don't ever, again, profess to be experts in one industry but both myself and Helen actually have got such a varied past from property uh, from technology from um, sales and a coaching perspective um, so you learn from their actual business model which is is one thing um, I think the second thing is when you are actually as the coach we don't again say that we're perfect or we get stuff right all the time we run businesses and we get shit wrong just as much as the next person. And we always openly talk about we're learning and developing. And that's why me and Helen never hide the fact that we've had to work on ourselves. And we're not that we had to, that we're proud of the fact that we are and we continue to. So us being congruent in the in the pillars of our business and so what we work through with clients is key. So when you're then having that conversation with them and you're working through a certain task or a certain challenge, it can sometimes come back like a mirror it can just reflect back straight away. So an easy example is, you know, I'm working with a client at the moment who um, we both train in a very similar format with our um, with our health. And then we go to the same kind of weights program resistance gym space. So when I'm talking to this client about a subject within his professional capacity, I can always relate it back to the program that we do with that we both do with our health. And then we can do that to each other. And he goes, so the way I think about it like this in the gym, you want me to think about it like that in my business? I'm like, yes. So you learn, you you just learn because I think you have to keep your ears open. You know, that's um I know we're on a podcast right now and obviously you know we're doing lots of talking, but it's that all adage is you've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. 
And as a coach, you have to listen at least double the amount that you do the talking. So our job, again, is that idea to go, let me ask you a question, let, then let me listen to the answer. And then, you know, let's say we're with you for an hour or a 90-minute session. That's the work we do in that hour. But we don't just then go away and switch off until the next hour. What we're doing then is going back and looking. That's why so much of our tasks we ask you to write down, we ask you to read them back to us so that we can then listen, break it down, understand it, and find more solutions and tools that will help you towards your goal. Okay, good stuff. Um, I mean, the only real way that we can finish an interview is with the ultimate final question of an interview. So I'll ask you both, Helen, first, where do you see yourself in 10 years' time? Oh, retired in the south of France with my own vineyard. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that be lovely? Um, See myself or the business? Well, both, I think. Okay. Look at her going back into interview mode there, James, while she's thinking of her answer. <laughs> Do you want me to go first, Helen? I've got mine ready. Well, your, your life's a lot more planned than mine, so it's probably <laughs> easier for you. My life has taken a massive big U-turn this True. year. On, on a serious note, any of my what I would have en- envisaged as my plans and my vision for me, myself, personally – went a little bit tits up. So I can't really answer that question. The business, on the other hand, would be easier for me to answer. <laughs> so what? Um, where, where do you see HEW then in 10 years? A global brand, um, sustainably profitable. Um, myself, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be in a position where I'd be doing one-to-one coaching full-time like I, I'm doing now. Uh, and I don't envisage Lauren to be doing the same if she's still with the business at that point in time. Um, but, it, you know, it would definitely be a global brand. I want, um, I want an online sustainability platform. Uh, I want to be, um, I want to have a, a centre of excellence as well, where it's a, a, an actual venue location for everything that is kind of epitomising the brand and the pillars. Cool. That sounded very, very definitive. You, yeah, you, you knew that fun. without even need to think about it. Has that okay. vision ever changed or has that always been the vision? It's always been the vision. I've, I've said all along, that's crystal clear. Like, confused matters when you put my personal life into things. Then that's, that's, <laughs> that's where I go to shit. Like, that bit, yeah. I've not got that bit together. Lauren, by the way, can be very definitive over that, I'm sure, and knows exactly what she wants. But the South of France is definitely on there for me. <laughs> it's funny actually because that's where I think I've made quite a big change in the way that I look at things so you know you're right James it's a question that people ask where do you see yourself in a year five years ten years these kind of questions used to overwhelm me so much that I would do nothing with the year I had in front of me or the month that I had in front of me and if I couldn't control every single aspect personal life business career then I'd be like what's the point if I can't control every bit of it what's the point <laughs> you know I'd throw it a little bit like one of those people if I can't if I know I'm not going to win the game what's the point in playing what I, the way I've reframed it personally and business and that's why Helen said we're not, we're not the, the comment Helen just said wasn't a throwaway we know that me and Helen want to be in business together for a very long time but we're also very aware that how business may change and develop and adapt who knows and that's not to be vague but the world is our oyster but we also don't know what the world's going to throw at us what I can tell you is not necessarily where I want to be or what I want to have achieved but the kind of individual or business person that I want to be I want to make sure I always have my health as my number one priority 
physical, mental, spiritual, emotional. I think that's key to everything because it's when we talk about you first and your health pillar, we're not doing it from a vanity perspective. We're not doing it because we want to put everyone in the same box. But if you can look after you and you can keep yourself as such a clear priority in this, everything else in your career, in your business, in your relationships feeds off it. So for me, that's something that I want to make sure I do. For me, it's always about learning and growing. And um, when I can look back 10 years, which seems bonkers, like me and Helen both still think we're like 21. <laughs> and the fact that we're now, you know, hurtling towards the fourth decade of our lives. Is, to that. Yeah, let's not go into that. But we, but you know, 10 years go so quickly. What we want to be able to do is we want to be able to make a real impact, not just a splash in the pan. We're not a, neither of us are a business people or, or coaches who want to just come up and do a 28 day fix or 90 days to, you know, excellence. We're, we're not about any of that shite. We're really not. We just want to be honest, sustainable, uh, and we want to both keep learning and growing. What the end result of that looks like, honestly, we don't know yet. Well, Helen does. I don't. And that's where I'm happy to just keep going. You know what? Let's just take it one year at a time, one six month you know, period at a time. And as long as we genuinely are living within our true values and our purpose and doing the right thing, I honestly think, I honestly think good things come off that because why wouldn't it? Brilliant. Okay. Well, thank you uh, both very much for your honesty. There's some really kind of revealing answers in there. I feel like I've learned a lot about you both and um, a lot of things to um, think about as well. Any final thoughts from uh, from either of you? I just think we, we always want to say thank you for, you know, getting us this far with our 100th episode. We're very grateful. We appreciate you giving us, um, you know, whether it be 30 minutes or 60 minutes of us in your ears every week. We do not take that for granted. And uh, we really love hearing from you and we love getting your feedback. Uh, I love it when I get screenshots from people who've listened to an episode and, uh, you know, they send them to us in our DMs privately in text messages and emails and what we would love to do is reach more people in the next 100 episodes Um, so please don't be shy of sharing the episodes and the experiences and the learnings you get from these online as well we appreciate all of them I don't feel like I've got anything extra to say apart from what's been said we've covered so much and my mind's whirring now I'll be honest my mind's whirring because I'm now on the next I'm on the next stages of reflection from this what's this brought up because I always look at things James in in quite a lot of detail and depth and I'm looking at you know what we've covered here and you know what's what's that what's that sort of represented and then what's next because everything that we do is not just for us to you know verbalize our stories you know have a good chit chat chin wag and a a chitter chatter online it's to like Warren said have that impact and make a difference to other people so I, I'm already I'm already on the next on on the next thing now already. What what else can we do? What 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 does the next hundred and one episode look like, and and where can we make that difference? So I hope I hope this has been beneficial for people, uh, and it's been a pleasure having you part of this uh, additional milestone, which again is going to be another highlight. And we promise to keep giving you fun stuff to edit, James. <laughs> uh, I would expect no less. As Lauren says, uh, please do help spread the word about the podcast. Tell your friends, post it on the socials, leave a review. They all help the show to grow and develop. Uh, back to some kind of normality with episode 101 next week. But we will say farewell for now. Here's to the next 100 episodes. Thank you for listening to the HEW podcast. 
For continued support, please subscribe using iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or SoundCloud. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please leave a five-star review on your download platform. Tune in for more value and more content the same time next week.